0: Hello and welcome to this mini-episode of the Cosmic Savannah. I'll be your guest host today. My name is Brett Yachty. I work at the University of Cape Town, where I'm a telescope operator for the teaching telescopes that we have there. Today I'll be interviewing Brandon Engelbrecht. He is a first-year PhD student at the University of the Western Cape. At UWC, Brandon works in observational cosmology. Now, cosmology is the study of the origin and the evolution of the universe. And Brandon works with meerkat data. You might remember meerkat from a previous episode of The Cosmic Savannah, where it was talked about in great detail. Brandon looks at data sets of large structures in the galaxy, some of the largest structures in fact. He looks at galaxy clusters. Now galaxy clusters are groups of hundreds or thousands of galaxies which are all gravitationally bound with each other, and these are the largest gravitationally bound structures in the universe. So one of the things Brandon is doing in his PhD project is looking for ways to identify radio frequency interference and to remove it from datasets coming from Meerkat. These RFI sources are usually satellites or other things which emit in the same frequency as the astronomical data that the astronomers are trying to get from the telescope. Brandon and I first met in 2016 when we were both volunteering for the South African Institute of Physics annual conference which was held in Cape Town that year, so I was very excited to get the chance to interview him today, and without further ado, here he is. Okay, hey, I am here with Brandon Engelbrecht from UWC, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about why he does what he does. So, Brandon, hi. Hi there, Brett. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, so tell me, what is it that you do exactly at UWC?
1: Uh, That's a good question. I ask myself that, and my mom almost me that as well. So, at the moment, I'm a first-year PhD student, under the supervision of Professor Mario Santos. And I'm working on the Meerkat telescope, which you may have heard of. It's in the Northern Cape. And what I do at the moment is looking at ways of improving data analyzation for our particular project. And it's been a challenging road, but so far I'm enjoying it with mild setbacks here and
0: there. Can you tell me what the Meerkat Telescope is?
1: It is the world's most powerful radio telescope. It looks at the sky and looks at sources of the sky and receives information in terms of light. And we get data back from the telescope. And from this, we try and see basically what an individual wants, or not wants, but what an individual um, is hoping to find. Many people um, use the telescope for different things. Few people use it for imaging, few people use it to map structures in the universe and that's what I use it for. I use it, well not any, but my supervisor uses it, uses it to map structures in the universe. These structures are not planets or galaxies but they're actually um, entire galaxies or clusters of galaxies or clusters of clusters. So that's what we use the the Telescope for.
0: You said that your project has to do with data analysis. So can you tell me what that entails?
1: At the moment, for the PhD, the the PhD is the project, but it gets cut up into three sub-projects, and each one is as important as the next. For the first one, it's data analysis, of the telescope. So we've asked the telescope to point at a particular patch of the sky. It then observes that patch and we get data back. And my contribution to analyzing this data is to actually look for radio frequency interference objects. So these are objects that are man-made satellites. They emit in the same frequency that Meerkat observes in. So what that does to our data, it completely washes the data. So it just causes a spike in the data that we have to now remove from the data so that we can actually get the object that we want to observe. So my contribution is basically identify these RFI sources and find ways to either avoid them or remove the effects that they have on our data.
0: So does that mean your job is to improve the images that come out of the MeerKat telescope to find these sources of noise and find out ways to remove them?
1: So when when we say images, that's not what we actually look at. We're looking at temperature maps. So you'll have like areas of interest would be like high temperatures or warm, and areas of no interest would be like cold areas. So there's like very little galaxies kind of activity happening there. The thing with the satellites is because they're really nearby the Earth and they have this high power output, they just cause flares to be seen in our, in our data. So you'd see this at a particular frequency. You'd see an entire bright peak that has no like astronomical value to us. It's just contamination. So my job would be to see if the current techniques that, are, that we are using to remove them are effective in removing them, making sure that we have like, what's left behind is very little RFI contamination, because we can't really remove all the RFI contamination because then we'll have no data, but can we remove enough to allow to have sufficient data still without having severe contamination effects? The other one is to work on a way to improve avoiding the satellites. So if we know where the satellites are, and if we know how much power they're outputting, then can we point Meerkat to an area where there's either low levels of satellite contamination? So there are too little satellites there, or are there satellites that emit in a different frequency that Meerkat won't be so much affected by? So that is how I'm trying to improve the data okay,
0: it sounds like this is a very important job that you're working on, and that it would have a big difference to everybody who uses the meerkat telescope is that right
1: I'm not a big picture big picture kind of person at the moment i will I'm just focused on trying to get this project out of the way so I can move on, but my supervisor says the same thing he says that. This is quite important for the fact that those that want to work with the same kind of system that we're working with on Meerkat, looking at getting the images in temperature fluctuations, this would be very important for that purpose, as well as my co-supervisor says that Meerkat would like this, well not Meerkat, but SKA would like this software to track satellites, to at least know where and when would there be a cluster of satellites.
0: I'm sure it's nice to know that you're contributing to <laughs> to the Meerkat Project and to other future astronomers.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I don't see any of this, so it's it's like maybe this little light at the end of the tunnel that I'm really, I'm running towards because right now it's just all like doom and gloom kind of thing. Hopefully, at the end of all this, that is where this project can take me.
0: I will stay tuned with your uh, upcoming work over the next couple of years. (laughs) Can you tell me, why did you get into astronomy in the first place? And in astronomy, why radio astronomy? So why astronomy? To be honest,
1: I was lied to. It was false advertising, in a sense. So in grade 10, I won't forget this. I watched these documentaries, so you have like Brian Greene, and you have Neil deGrasse Tyson and uh, Michio Kaku, and they were talking about theoretical physics, and I was kind of going into a more that kind of route, but then I saw Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he introduced me to astronomy, and I was like, is there a way to combine the two, and then I found astrophysics. Except nobody told me that they'd be like, like I, I get that they'd be like mathematics. I just didn't know that it would be like this high level of mathematics. So I was just like, uh no, what, what this is not where I want to go. But I, I persevered on first year, second year, third year. I kind of enjoyed the maths a little bit. And then in honors, I realized that astrophysics is cool and all that. But I wanted to do something a bit more on a bigger scale. And that's where I found cosmology, which is like studying the cosmos, but you study objects on much, much bigger scales. Like we don't care about galaxies. To us, galaxies are just like a star in the night sky. And it doesn't have so much effect for us. We prefer studying a whole bunch of galaxies together. i like even much bigger scales than that. And cosmology had even more mathematics, and I was not impressed with my choice. Uh, I pushed some more, and then I found out that in cosmology, you have divisions. You have theoretical, which is more maths, or you have observational cosmology, which is more like, yes, there's maths, but there's, it's more computational, it's more data analysis kind of work. And I was like, you know what? I'm not prone to the maths, but I am prone to working on a computer. And writing code. So let me go and do that one. And from observational cosmology, radio, um, observational radio cosmology was a very easy choice because of Cat and because they gave me a bursary. So uh, not only did I take their money, I was more obligated to work on work in the radio realm of cosmology. And so far it's not been so bad because my honors year project, master's year project, and now even my PhD project—they have all similar areas. that like there's there's a connection between each of them. Yeah, I'm supposed to know a lot, but I I really don't. I think it's a, a problem that most people, um, outsiders or or people outside of academia think we know a lot. Honestly, there are people that do, and then there are people like me that no, not really. You just you're trying to get project one out of the way so you can move on to project two, but Oh, it's a different ball game when you're having to work with these supervisors and professors and, and stuff. That just very, very intimidating.
0: So just to get this right, you fell in love with astronomy in high school, and then got to university and were turned off by the maths. So you rethought about it and thought, okay, I'll choose cosmology, which I believe is the most math-heavy field of astronomy, if I'm not mistaken, and then you found out, oh, more math, so I'll choose uh, radio astronomy or observational cosmology, and then you chose the uh, most math-heavy observational method of astronomy as well, is that right?
1: (laughs) So I chose a more computational and data analysis. I was I was trying to avoid going deeper and deeper into this mathematical realm of, of cosmology and I was like this is the point where I'm turning to this side of the world. It's like yes there's there's still a lot of maths that I have to do and stuff but at least I don't rack my brains on pages of pages of equations. Which might sound like I, I ran away, but honestly I did run away.
0: You just As ran honestly, to the coding
1: side. Yeah, I ended the coding side for a few reasons. One of which is I do want to improve coding skills. Two, coding is the future. And three, if astronomy or cosmology doesn't all work out, I can always try my skills in the real world of all astronomers going to this kind of data science.
0: Yes, you can always fall back and find a job in the business sector, I think, right? Yes. With uh, your coding and your data science skills that yes. you've learned. Thank you for your time, Brandon. It's been great chatting with you. You too, Chris. Wow, what a great chat that was with Brandon. I especially liked his story about his road, where he started an interest in physics, went to astrophysics, and then changed to cosmology, and then changed to this observational radio cosmology. And throughout it all, he didn't let that heavy math deter him at all. It really sets an example for future astronomers to persevere. And now Brandon is working with one of the biggest radio telescopes in the world. And not only that, but he's making it better for future astronomers who use it. And this work is only going to get more and more important moving forward as companies like SpaceX keep launching satellites. Uh, SpaceX, for example, has 540 of these Starlink satellites that have gone up just in a little over a year and plans to launch over 12,000. So this work Brandon is doing is going to be more and more important moving forward. I just want to thank Brandon again for chatting with me today. And thank you for everybody who tuned in. And I hope to speak to you again in the future.